so everything what you described, this is mainly uh, the picture of the situation in Clojure. Uh, and how does this look like on the JavaScript platform? Yeah, so uh, here it, it gets interesting. Uh, so Clojure script um, has its own version of Clojure test uh, called CLJS test, but but because mm -hmm. of the, the smart aliasing in, in Clojure script, you can also just require it as closure test. And so when you're writing your when you're writing your tests, um, there's not there's not really much difference. Uh, you have the same API, you can, you know, you write your tests in the same way. Uh, the only substantial difference is that uh, CLJS test has some extra functionality around async. Uh, because mm -hmm. yeah, in closure you have multi-threading, so you know if if necessary, you can just block and wait until until something else returns. Um, but in in uh, in Clojure Script, you can't do that, and so you you need to use this async test functionality, which then kind of under the hood uses something quite similar to a promise. So it kind of has these continuations and and you know knows to continue your test when when the async stuff finishes. Um, so when it comes to writing your tests, uh, you know, that's, that's not too different. Um, but when it comes to running tests, yeah, it's always been a little fraught. Uh, we've had a couple different attempts at writing good tooling around running ClojureScript tests. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's so much harder is that there are two pieces involved that, that aren't really so much at play or that you can largely ignore um, when it comes to closure, and that's the compiler, the closure script compiler, and your JavaScript runtime. Mm -hmm. So, on the closure side, we also have those, right? Like there, there's a closure compiler under the hood, but but you don't really think of that. You just evaluate mm -hmm. stuff, um, and there's uh, there's a JVM under the hood, but but you know that's that's just your process that everything's running in. Like everything's right there, and everything's dynamic. Right, like you can you can declare right. vars at runtime and inspect them and have metadata on them. Um, it's really sort of you know it has that Lisp legacy. It's a true dynamic language, and so a lot of the stuff that I described for Couchai, it's sort of it's that right. It's inspecting your runtime uh, mm -hmm. and and doing stuff. Whereas ClojureScript, it it goes a long way towards trying to give you the same experience that you have in Clojure. But it's it's just not the same because it has this compilation step where it, it turns out this this you know fairly static blob that you feed to a browser or you feed to a to a node process or whatever mm. JavaScript runtime is involved. And so at that point, a lot of that dynamism is lost. You can't really inspect things at runtime. You can't you know you don't really have vars, um, and and also that that compiler runs in closure. And so automatically, you have these two worlds. You have the JavaScript world and the, the Java slash Clojure world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, somehow you need, to, you need to cross that gap. Yeah, I mean, this, uh, I think uh, there is a lot of talks that I had about this with uh, Thomas Heller, the creator mm -hmm. of ShadowSealJS. Yeah. And yeah, he also have, ShadowSealJS also has its own set of things to to manage that so exactly yeah and and he he's been really pushing the envelope in in trying to you know improve the 
the user friendliness of, of ClojureScript, right? And so it mm. makes sense that that he's also trying to tackle this problem. Um, and I'm also trying to tackle this problem, but I guess in a in a more generic way, uh, where where we hope to have a solution that are, that also works for uh, vanilla ClojureScript or, or FigWheel users. Um, mm. But let's maybe go uh, a little bit back and kind of look at some of these uh, past attempts. So when when I started or when I sort of first became aware of really doing tests on ClojureScript, I think the main tool that everyone was using was Do. D-O-O. Okay. Um, and it 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 worked fairly well. I mean, it was it was a good tool. Um, so so it was a lining and plugin. You said line do, uh, and it sort of took took care of everything, right? Like it did, did the compilation, started your browser. It used I forget now what it's called, but it used some JavaScript tool under the hood, which kind of was already built to to make it easy to run tests against different JavaScript browsers runtimes. Karma um, or yes, Karma exactly yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do I believe uses Karma under the hood? Um, but the main thing we do, uh, or or with with you know like that generation of testing tools, and and this largely comes down to actually a, a shortcoming in, in Closure Test. So Closure Test is. Uh, very much based on macros. And uh, I think that largely comes from being a direct port of closure test, which also mm-hmm. is very much based on macros. Um, but the reason the the, the 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 problem with closure script is that because of that you lose even more of that dynamism. So what I mean by that is like this kind of compiles into like say you have a a, a run tests or a run all tests uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's actually a macro that's going to sort of compile into, you know, a procedure which is going to run the tests that the compiler knows about, right? Because like you have that problem, right? Like of discoverability. So like mm-hmm. the only way uh, that you can know which tests there are is to have some kind of macro that that inspects the closure script analyzer state to then find the vars that have test metadata. So, like both in closure script and in closure script test, uh, when you do a def test, what that really does is define a var which has a, a in its metadata a test key, and that test key contains a function which is the real functionality of the test. Um, but so in closure script, vars only exist in comp- at compile time; they they no longer exist at runtime. They're not accessible at runtime, and so. Uh, doing anything dynamic like what I was saying earlier, right? Like sort of at the last moment deciding if tests should get skipped or not. Uh, that That's basically out of the question. Um, mm. Even worse is that like if you had, for instance, like say in do you had a an async test that, that you know, gone wrong. So, you know, imagine it being like a promise that that never resolves. Mm-hmm. You know, you would you would start run line, line do and it would start running your tests, and at a certain point, it just stops. And it just sits there. It's never going to finish. The only thing you can do is kill it, and it you know you have no idea where it went wrong. It doesn't give you a meaningful stack trace. Um, and so that's kind of, I think, the you know a symptom of of this blob approach where it really piles into this this you know single procedure that that runs all your tests. 
um, it's it it's very inflexible. Hmm. Um, and so what uh, what shadow dust and what what we later also started doing with Chui is to capture, you know, what I was saying before, like you need you need to inspect the analyzer and the compiler state to find those tests. Um, that means that you need to do that in a macro because it needs to happen on the closure side. And but so you can do that. You can write a macro that then, but then instead of you know what closure test does, using that to to generate basically a big testing function, uh, what you do is you turn you use that macro to turn that information into a big data structure. Mm-hmm. Right, and you you capture that in your build, and now your closure script, you know, your JavaScript build contains somewhere an atom or something that right. that contains this big data structure where now you can at runtime, you know, loop over the test that you have and say, oh, I want to run run this one now, I want to run that one now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for for our first approach of trying to improve this, uh, we did something a little different, and we used the, the REPL environments. That uh, that were provided or that are provided by by ClojureScript. So uh, maybe also a, a little thing I should point out is like Kaucha is written in Clojure, and it doesn't really make sense. To, or I mean, maybe it could make sense. You know, maybe there could be a use case for having like a CLJC or a ClojureScript uh, Kaucha. Um, but that that would complicate things because yeah we have this plugin architecture we have these reporters, um, which then yeah would also all have to keep these two different platforms in mind. Uh, you would be much more limited. Like so, there's there's yeah there's some stuff we do with with threats and you know it. I'm not sure of the benefit of of doing that exercise um, because Kaucha should even as a closure tool should be agnostic of you know what what the tests are really you know how the tests are implemented it just needs a way to say okay run this test now and give me results and mm-hmm. since you know when you're doing anything with closure script you're probably already already running closure to run your compiler you know it kind of makes sense to have that tooling on the closure side because like for instance if you had if you had all that tooling inside closure script and say in your browser well then now you know you get you get the other problem right like how do you connect now like something on the command line to that test runner inside your browser so like you know since since it's a command line tool we kind of want to keep that in closure but yeah that means bridging that gap and so our first attempt uh, was Kaucha CLJS um, and that was basically saying okay well you know like how about we just kind of pretend that it is actually a dynamic language where we can sort of load things on the fly and start things off on the fly um, mm-hmm. by using the REPL environment and then basically using a pREPL. Uh, so mm-hmm. ClojureScript contains these REPL environments for browser, for Node. Uh, those are the main ones and the main ones that we support. Um, and so you can you can program against these. You really sort of get, you know, you can send forms to it and wait until you get a response. Right. And so what Kaucha CLGS does is the first stage is somewhat similar. Uh, it scans your file system, although it does use the ClojureScript compiler for that. So it basically lets the ClojureScript compiler analyze whatever namespaces are on your test path. And then it checks that compiler state 
to find your test farce. And then it's just gonna, it's really just gonna send forms to the REPL saying, require this namespace, run mm. this test. Um, now then of course, there's the other side of the equation, which is getting the data back out because we have that reporter, right? Like we, as that test is running, assertions are being run, tests are started, stopped. We need to get those events back. And so there we use a WebSocket. So on the, on the closure side, we start a, a WebSocket server. And mm -hmm. then the first code that we evaluate on the REPL is a bit of code that connects back from the JavaScript runtime to Kaucha and that hooks into closure tests so that any test events that are sent to that reporter get sent over to WebSocket. Hmm. And so then we just immediately funnel them to the reporter on the closure site and we're done. That sounds like a, a, a big hike to get all of this hooked up and get this going. It it was actually, yeah. Um, now it's like, it's funny because uh, later on I did Kacha CLGS 2, which is so much more complex. Um, <laughs> but Kacha CLGS, yes, uh, I, was, I was surprised when it all came together and it actually worked. Mm. Uh, yeah, it definitely, it is, it is not trivial. Um, but it, you know, it worked, it worked surprisingly well and it, and it works surprisingly well because I still use it for some projects until it doesn't. <laughs> and that's kind of, you know, so the, and, and the, until it doesn't, what, what happens. And so, you know, like uh, some people listening are probably going to have seen this. If almost anything that, you know, there, or let, there's, there's a bunch of different things that can go wrong in this whole story. And from the Kaucha side, they all look like the same thing. They all look like, oh, we are still just waiting for the JavaScript side to connect back via the WebSocket. Mm. Right? So like once we start that REPL and we mm -hmm. tell it like load this WebSocket code, there's nothing we can do except wait and hope that they connect back. Mm. And so at a certain point, we time out and we give this very generic message. Uh, CLJS client failed connecting back, something like that. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and it's up to you. And and the thing is with these with these REPL environments, they don't provide a lot of insight at what's happening. Mm. So, for instance, the the node one. Um, and I, I've been thinking recently, maybe we should really start forking these and and put some more diagnostics in there. But so it it starts a node process, and then it actually it does kind of a similar thing. Like the first thing it does is load a little bit of JavaScript, which hooks into nodes output handlers so that mm -hmm. anything that gets printed from that process gets sent to to the closure compiler repl env process but if anything in there or anything before there goes wrong and that there you know the actual node process has anything on standard error or standard out that just goes to def null that just goes nowhere mm. um and so it's, yeah, especially, you know, like, so, you know, this happens to people on CI. I mean, how do you start debugging this stuff, right? Like it's a, it's an, it's a huge pain. Um, the other thing with this is that, you know, people use all kinds of different compiler settings now and different tools. Uh, and especially shadow is, is uh, important there in that, like, 
you know, once you start writing shadow specific code and, you know, use, use shadow to uh, include NPM packages and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Now you can no longer compile that code with, with vanilla closure script, right? Um, you need to use shadow for it. I mean, shadow does the work for you, right? Yeah, right. So it's like, but so we, we use these REPL environments that, that come with closure script uh, Shadow has decided not to implement the same uh, interface, and so we don't have that on Shadow. Um, and so, yeah, like those people are basically out of luck. They can't use Kaito CLJS because we can't, you know, we can't load their code in our vanilla REPL env. Hmm. And so, yeah, that's you know these these you know these things that. Different thing that I'm saying, they're they're all part of the motivation of eventually going to Kartra CLJS too. Um, mm. So with Kartra CLJS two, we really decided to pull things apart because you know this is this is I don't know this maybe this is one of the you know you know how like doing a lot of closure and and being in the closure community, you just absorb these general lessons that, you know, you could really apply in any language or any ecosystem. Mm. And, and I think one of them is really just like, you know, if things are hard, if things are problematic, there's a good chance that you're, that you're mixing things that shouldn't be mixed. Mm. Right. Like if you can actually, if you can find the the, the right dividing lines, uh, it'll all become a lot easier. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, what we uh, what we did with Kaja CLJS two, we actually first developed uh, a closure script standalone test runner called Chui. Uh, that's C H U I. It's uh, so so Kaucha is Chinese for to to check or to verify, mm-hmm. um, but the logo of Kaucha is an anvil. Uh, so the, the thing okay. that that you know medieval blacksmith would use to kind of because that that's kind of my idea of like you know testing software sometimes it kind of feels like you know like banging on a on a sword is just sort of like ironing stuff out ironing stuff out exactly <laughs> um, and so chui uh, is uh, Chinese for hammer mm-hmm. so <laughs> they kind of they kind of go together uh, and so chui consists of a couple different pieces. Um, there's a, a closure script test runner, just just sort of the the heart of the test runner, the functionality of the test runner. That's Chui Core, and so you know this works uh, as I explained before, sort of using a macro to collect uh, the the test that it knows about, inject that into the build, and then you know you basically get an API where you can say I want to run all tests or this test kind of at runtime. And then we have mm-hmm. a UI that sits on top of that. Now you don't have to use the UI. Uh, there's another way that you could drive this, which I'll get to to a second, but there's sort of two separate parts. So so this way you could have an experience like, you know, now there's no command line runner anymore. Everything's happening on the JavaScript side, on the closure script side. Uh, we've really just sort of seen like, okay, you know, what what can we do if we kind of forget about this whole closure story, you know, mm-hmm. do everything there. Now, currently, uh, so then it contains a third piece is, is Chui Shadow, which kind of interfaces with, with Shadow's way 
of collecting this test information. Because the thing is like you can you can write a macro which finds a test that, that the analyzer knows about. Um, but it only knows about the tests that it, it has, has analyzed. Um, so you need to then like very carefully structure your requires so that all the namespaces that contain tests have been loaded and analyzed before it gets to that macro. And then that macro can know which tests exist and inject that into the build. Mm-hmm. And so that whole story, Shadow takes care of. So mm-hmm. Shadow has this functionality of scanning your file system, finding right. the closure script test namespaces, making sure they all get loaded before you know your test code. Right. Uh, there is the there is a target uh, browser test. Exactly. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. what that does. Um, yep. Now, last August, I, I spent a lot of time on this stuff, and I, I really wanted this stuff to work and have a convenience. So like you, you can use this with vanilla closure script, but basically what it would mean is that you need to add a, an explicit require for every single namespace that contains tests. Mm-hmm. Um, now to make that more convenient, uh, yeah, you would actually need to have some way of injecting those requires. And uh, we had a little bit of back and forth on the, the CLGS dev channel last year about this. Um, and the idea that eventually came out of that was, okay, how about, uh, you just do it from a, from a macro, right? Like, cause like, sure. When you have a namespace declaration in closure script, you can have requires outside of that namespace declaration immediately below as long as no, as long as they're immediately below, they just kind of get rolled into that namespace information. Mm-hmm. And so you could say, okay, well, you know, if you stick a macro there that generates those require statements, it should work too. Uh, and so we had this conversation, and and David Nolan was actually convinced that that this would be possible already. Uh, but when I tried it out, it turned out that it didn't work yet, and there was some stuff about how you know the the order in which these things are analyzed. We had to make sure that yeah, like the macro information was available at the right time, etc. And so I worked on this for a good while last August on a patch for closure script. Uh, it sat in a ticket for a good good amount of time, but a couple of weeks ago it got merged. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now we can actually ship a, a macro that people can just stick uh, in their in their you know main test runner namespace uh, that that yeah that loads uh, loads all your tests. And then mm-hmm. we can have the point where you where you capture all that test information, uh, and so yeah. To finish the story about Trace Shadow, all it really does is give you a main namespace, which yeah uses that shadow functionality, and then hooks into Shadow's reloads hooks, so that if you're using uh, the the GUI, that every single time you make a save, uh, it restarts like it it you know it loads whatever new code it needs to load. Mm-hmm. And then it triggers a new test run. Um, and so you can, in that GUI, you can decide that you know, you're working on a specific namespace or a specific set of namespaces. So you just select those namespaces. Mm-hmm. And then every time you save a file, we just rerun those. Mm-hmm. And you can see uh, your previous, um, previous test runs uh, and so forth. 
this uh, closes down the circle of simplifying the coach as CLJS and then you're moving to CLJS2. So is this CLJS2 available or? Yeah, it, no, it, it is, but like I, there's a couple more pieces that I need to explain before it's going to fall into place. Mm -hmm. uh, so okay. I think I need to continue with Chue and then say what Chue remote is. Okay. Uh, and then there's Kartra CLGS2 and then there's Funnel. And I think, yeah, those are like the three pieces that people need to understand right now to make sense of Kartra CLGS2. Okay. So where do we start with... Yeah, where do we start? I think I should finish the story of Chue. Oh, yes. Go ahead, please. By all means. Yeah, so Chue, Chue has... Uh, Chway has multiple modules, and we've mm -hmm. talked about three of them. So there's a core, which is really just the test runner functionality. Mm -hmm. uh, there's the UI, which gives you this ability to filter tests, and then if you hook it into whatever reload workflow you have, you know it, it can rerun tests. Mm -hmm. um, and Chway Shadow, which kind of makes it convenient to use from Shadow. That was our main target right now, because as I explained, it was a little hard to do these things uh, on, mm -hmm. on vanilla closure script in the past. But then the fourth part is Tray Remote. Um, so this gives you a way to remote control these tests. So you can say like, I don't, I don't need to GUI, um, but I'm just going to load Tray Core and Tray Remote, and and the remote is kind of similar as the GUI, like it hooks into this core test runner, but instead of driving it from from your browser, you can drive it over a WebSocket. You can send it messages, say, you know, run this test, and then it sends messages back, you know, which tests are finished, mm -hmm. what, the, what the reporting is, and so forth. Now, to make this all work well, there was one more problem that I had to solve, which is that when, uh, when you want to have this kind of communication over a WebSocket with a JavaScript runtime, especially with a browser, the communication always needs to be initiated from the browser, right? You can't, you can't connect to a browser tab. You can only launch a browser, browser tab and hope that it connects back to you. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, that's annoying uh, and, it, and it's limiting because it also means that it, it becomes quite hard to, for instance, reuse tabs. So this was also a downside with Kacha CLJS. Like every time you start a new browser repelenv, it's going to launch a new tab. Uh, and so we wanted to be able to reuse this. But we also wanted to be able to say like, well, you know, like now I have like, you know, a browser open on my phone and I have Chrome open and I have Firefox open and I want my tests to run, you know, when I when I do bin Kacha, I want it to run my ClojureScript tests on all of these. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the kind of thing we were thinking about. And so we made this little thing in the middle called Funnel. It's really just a, a tiny project. And the, the, the idea with Funnel, you can download a binary uh, and just, it, it needs to be running, but you can pretty much just, you know, launch it in the background and just forget about it. Uh, mm -hmm. You could even, you know, like configure your system to just launch it when when you, you know, when you start your computer and just forget about it. But it, it becomes this message hub that that just yeah funnels these messages these uh, and, and we use transit there, but it doesn't really matter. Essentially, the closure maps that mm -hmm. that 
you know, that we send between these different connected clients. And so Chui Remote connects to that. And Kaucha CLGS2, now we finally get to the, the final part of the story. Kaucha CLGS2 also connects to Funnel. And so what Funnel provides is uh, this routing of these messages mm-hmm. and this persistent of these connections that, you know, like Kaucha CLGS2 can go away and come back. And, you know, whatever connected browser or whatever connected JavaScript runtime is hooked up to Funnel is still just there. And so mm-hmm. it also offers this discoverability. So Kaucha CLGS2 can come in and connect to Funnel and ask it, you know, tell me about all the connected clients with these criteria. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right. what we've now basically done is taken all this stuff about, you know, compiling Closure Script and launching a JavaScript runtime and taking it out of Kaucha CLGS. So Kaucha CLGS 2 no longer cares how you compile your Closure Script. It no longer cares how you launch a JavaScript runtime or what it is or where it is. All it mm-hmm. really needs is a way to find connected clients. So it, it has a default hook mm-hmm. where it just you know starts communicating with whatever uh, connected client it finds, but but you can also customize that. And so really it just now it it yeah like so much it no longer cares about right like it just it just starts up sees if it can connect to anyone and then it starts sending messages back and forth and how does it find what it can connect to so the way funnel works um it it kind of you know it it it's accessed as a registry of uh of connected clients so when a client connects to funnel it sends a first message called a who am i which is basically just a, a closure map containing like type funnel who am I, and then key values. And, and so the stuff we put in there is for instance, say like, okay, well, I am a, I am a Chway remote client uh, and the, the root directory of the process during compile time was you know, this directory. So basically the project directory of your project. So we can kind of filter out you know, that we don't run against uh, clients that are compiled against other projects. But mm-hmm. so, you know, you can pretty much put anything in there and then another client can connect the funnel, send a message saying funnel query. And it's again a map with, you know, key values and it's going to return, it's going to send back a list of all the connected clients with those criteria. Mm-hmm. And then funnel has two more types of messages. Either I can say funnel broadcast and give it again like criteria uh, which can just be an ID, right? If I just want to send like to a specific uh, client, I say, okay, funnel broadcast to this ID and then, you know, whatever else is in that message that I want to send. Mm-hmm. And then that will get sort of fanned out to to whatever matching client there is. Um, or you can do it the other way around. You can say funnel broadcast. So I want to I wanna know about any message from these types of clients. And then, you know, after you do that, Funnel will know, okay, you know, if I get anything from these guys, it needs to, I need to forward it to that one. Mm-hmm. So it's this very generic, very, you know, like, yeah, basic, I would say, message hub. Um, but it's been really nice for this. And uh, yeah, I mean, for all this stuff, like if only I had more time, right? Like I said, like I, I sunk a good bit of my, of my holiday last year in August into all of this. And since then, you know, we're... 
Next Journal, I think, is is the, the, probably the most active user of Kaja CLDS two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know some other people are using it, but it's not trivial because yeah, you need to understand all these different pieces. Um, yeah. But the cool thing with Funnel, I mean, I did try to announce it as sort of a generic project because uh, I think it would be really cool for, for say, like Portal, right? Like I've been using Portal a lot lately. I don't know if you've played with that already. Uh, that's the um, the UI for the Datafy? Or... Yeah, so it's it's in the same vein as, yeah, like Rebel and Punk and Reveal. Right. Um, yeah. But I'm particularly enjoying uh, DJ Blue. I, I don't know what his real name is, but... Uh, He's been doing a really good job with that. But yeah, like they kind of have the same pros pro, uh, problem. Like when you when you refresh your browser that you had this portal thing connected to, then it says, oh, you know, de- disconnected and you need to close it and, and open a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, so so tools like this could potentially also benefit from, from funnel. And, and again, like, you know, maybe maybe at some point if I have uh I find a good moment for it i'll try to do a, a proof of concept to, to, to show it to them and say like hey you know like maybe this could be cool because then yeah then you could have like a single portal window where you see all your connected closure and closure script processes and can sort of toggle between them mm-hmm. uh, anyway i digress um so yeah so now now Couchha cls2 has become really simple right like it's like all these concerns about compiling closure script about finding tests like it really the first the first message it sends is tell me about all your tests, mm-hmm. right? So we have this load stage in Kaucha where we try to build up this test plan, and in Kaucha CLJS two that really just means you know asking the other side, you know you you should have this data structure compiled into your artifact. Tell me which tests you have, and then I will tell you which of these I want to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really nice like that, but of course the orchestration is the the tricky part. So what you typically want to do is you still want to set up hooks. So this is where Kaucha sort of generic hook functionality comes in. You know, you still want to uh, trigger your closure script compile. Uh, you still probably want to launch either like Node or a browser. Um, but maybe you don't, right? Like if you already have, you know, like Chue open in a browser, you can just say, okay, you know, like I don't need any of those hooks. I'm just going to run Kaucha CLJS2 and it's just going to talk to that. So mm-hmm. it it means that we no longer care how you compel, compile your closure script. You can use any tool you like um, with whatever compiler settings you like. Uh, you can do com- uh, advanced builds, which is something Kaucha CLJS2, uh, Kaucha CLJS1 can do because, yeah, like this REPL env kind of implies that you don't have any optimization. But now you can actually do a, a advanced optimization on your build and still run your test and see if they still work after advanced optimization. So this is actually really valuable because that's that's where a lot of stuff tends to break. Hmm. So so I do think it's the right way forward, even though it's a long story to sort of understand everything that goes into you know making the sausage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the main thing that we're still missing for Kaja CLDS two is just you know. That, that kind of top layer where we take specific use cases and, you know, have them ready-made, right? Because, mm-hmm. yeah. like, it's great that you have all this functionality, and I know for some people it's going to matter, but, yeah, like, if we could have, you know, wheel yeah. on, on a browser, right? Like, have that just, like, be, like, a one-liner or whatever, like, have that drop-in, mm-hmm. um, 
that or or at least have good examples where you can just say like okay you know like here's an example setup for all these different kind of combinations you know figual with node vanilla cljs with a browser uh i don't know maybe you want to run on uh, web workers you know how do you do that uh, so yeah that's that's kind of the part where we're missing and so i think that's probably why there's not a huge adoption yet of of Kaucha cljs too mm -hmm. okay well, that's interesting and i think this is very uh, yeah i i think i feel like a lot of work went into everything which you described and i think after the work there usually comes the whole setup part and i think you just figure out something along the way mm -hmm. yeah yeah no we'll we'll continue uh working on this uh yeah uh, like i said you know we're we're a bit of a team now and and Alice in particular uh, Alice Brooks has been doing really good work on making Kaucha better while I'm busy with other stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, she's think she's done a little bit of commits on Kaucha CLGS. I'm not actually sure, but I think she hasn't really touched uh, Chwe or Kaucha CLGS 2 yet. Um, maybe we'll get to that. Maybe someone else of the team uh, picks it up after listening to this episode. Uh, we'll see. Sure. We'll see where it goes. Maybe maybe we'll start getting some, uh, some contributions uh, to, to make it all better. Uh, I think we also just need to dog foot it more still. Uh, mm -hmm. That should also naturally keep improving it. But I'm mm -hmm. I'm really excited that this change finally landed in Closure Script because that's kind of where I ended last year, right? Like it's like because mm -hmm. I don't currently, especially Chui, right? It mainly works with Shadow, and I also use Shadow. You know, like I think Shadow is really great. It's made a lot of things easier. Mm -hmm. um but it also yeah like it you know like it's a super opinionated tool it does some things a little bit different and i i don't want to tell people you know now it you know it would mean that we went from not supporting shadow to only supporting shadow and i i don't want that either mm -hmm. uh so i think now that that yeah the 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 macro require commit has been merged uh i can get back to that and and try to get some instructions uh set up for people using vanilla closure script using fig wheel uh and then yeah see what comes out of that yeah um so what would be uh what would be if someone is using coacha and uh clgs2 uh what would be the way to i don't know reach out for any kind of questions support or anything like this uh great question um there's uh Kaucha channel on Clojurians, uh, mm -hmm. as well as a Lambda Island channel on Clojurians. Mm -hmm. So both of those we we monitor quite actively. Um, mm -hmm. But if you have a specific issue, I mean, you can always start there, but I, I never mind people. Uh, well, I mean, I guess it depends a little bit, right? Like if it's really just like, how do I do this? Then then uh, Slack is probably the way to go. But I, I if it's like, you know, this... This behaves weird. Uh, could be a bug. We'll have to look into it. Then I, I really appreciate just going ahead and, and making a GitHub issue out of that, so we can track it, uh, collect the necessary information. But I think those are the two main channels, right? Like so, like GitHub issues on uh, on the relevant projects and uh, and Clojurians. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, would there be anything worth talking about or? Um, I think, I think with that, you know, like I'm sort of at the end of my story, I think it's good to wrap it there. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess I, I, yeah, I'd like to do some shout outs, uh, sure. 
Yeah, so shout outs, I guess on that stuff in particular, I really need to do a shout out to to uh Pitch and to Next Journal. Mm-hmm. Uh Pitch has funded uh, a lot of the work that went into Chway. Next Journal mm-hmm. has funded a lot of the work that went into Kacha CLJS and Kacha CLJS 2. Mm-hmm. Um and so yeah, without without that support, I think Kacha CLJS in particular at that point uh, I was really adamant that I would not even attempt to do it unless someone was going to fund it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they very graciously did. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Um, then, uh, and beyond that, I'd like to, to shout out to my team. So uh, I already men- mentioned Alice uh, in the US. Uh, there's Ariel in Israel, uh, Mitesh in India. We have Lawrence in, uh, in Taiwan. And then I'm Almost around the globe, we have Felipe in uh, in Brazil, and so Here together we, uh, we are the the Gaiwan team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're available for your uh, IT development projects. Uh, we've been doing some really fun stuff lately with uh, the uh, famous or, or well known uh, Gene Kim from IT Revolution. Uh, mm-hmm. Been supporting them with their DevOps Enterprise Summit and a bunch of the software that goes around that. So. Shout out. It's been a lot of fun working with them. Um, and I think that's it for me. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for the for being here, talking about this. I think it definitely shows you have a lot of technical expertise and uh, with your team, you can tackle a lot of problems. So uh, we'll put the information about the team and uh, your company in the show notes so people can find it easier. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for being the, also the steward of the community parts like the Clojureverse and creating the screen, screencast with the Lambda Island and organizing the conference. And I think the list can go on and on. So I really appreciate you being part of the community and uh, definitely you're one of the persons that I just like look up to and uh, admire for the work that you're doing around it. So thank you. Uh, thank you too, Jacek. You're, you're too yeah. kind. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, consider supporting it by rating on the platform you're listening to sharing with others and supporting directly by buying some video courses and learning ClojureScript and Clojure. You can check out the courses at jacekshe.com. That is J-A-C-K-S-C-H-A-E.com. Thanks.